This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Side of midnight. I'm superstar Frank Morano. Hey, I want to thank uh, my friend Bernard Gatz, who was kind enough to listen to this show, who just emailed me uh, that Melanie's big hit was Beautiful People, which I'd forgotten. And uh, it is a certainly a nice song, and he sent me the link as a reminder. And as soon as I heard three bars of it, I remembered it. So I didn't mean to disparage any of her many accomplishments. And, you know, whether she had three hits, five hits, a hundred hits, or zero hits, Still just a shame that she has passed away. So we're wishing her and all of her fans the best. Okay. Um, those of you that are holding, whatever the subject, I will try and get to you. Surrogacy is very interesting. Uh, which the state that I live in didn't even have legalized surrogacy until recently. till I think about three years ago. So... There was this woman named Heather who signed up to be a surrogate in 2019 because being a parent is, what she says, my favorite thing in the world. And she wanted to give somebody else that feeling. And I think that's a very noble thing to do. So eventually she found a couple that was on the same page as she was and she agreed to be their surrogate. Now, before I continue with this story, two things I want to say. One, everything we know about Heather and the story that I'm about to tell you is based on her version of events, and she has a TikTok channel. There are also people on TikTok who claim to regularly travel through time. So far, I haven't gotten in touch with any of these people because I want some of them to come on this show. If I'm going to be placing a bet on the Super Bowl, for instance, I'd like to know who's going to win. But um, in, in all seriousness... There's no way to fact check what she's saying or what anyone else on TikTok is saying. It's very possible that she could be lying. This story was uh, sent to me. Originally, I saw it on Yahoo by one of our former listeners of the week, Igor, who rightly describes this story as a classic Murano quandary question. There's moral questions legal questions, and ethical questions. He's exactly right. This is right up my alley. People Magazine has uh, done a story about this. The Messenger has done a story about this. It's, it's being picked up. But so far, all everything we know about it is from TikTok, her TikTok page. So eventually, she finds a couple that's on the same page as her, and she agrees to be their surrogate. Heather says on TikTok that she made it clear from the beginning that she would not terminate the pregnancy. And she doesn't believe in abortion unless there's something that's going to hurt the quality of life of the child. That's how a lot of people feel. So the couple told her they were Catholic and they didn't believe in abortion. So they agreed and even signed a contract that stated they could not force Heather to terminate the pregnancy. According to Heather, and again, this is our only source for this, 
The couple wanted to have twins. After the first transfer didn't take, the second transfer in February 2020 was a success and Heather was pregnant. However, the parents were concerned that only one of the embryos was attached, meaning they would only be having one baby. And when the COVID pandemic hit, Heather received an email from the couple telling her they were very heartbroken, but said it would be best for you to have a termination at this time. Can you imagine? But Heather spoke with her lawyer, who told her that the contract clearly stated she did not have to have a termination. So eventually, Heather gave birth to the baby. Despite their previous request to terminate the pregnancy, the couple ended up coming to the hospital for the delivery and keeping their newborn son. Heather said ultimately the couple was grateful and told her they'd never forget me and they just appreciate what what I've done for them. I've completed their family. Here's a little bit of Heather describing this whole situation on TikTok. I'm just sitting in my car bawling and I automatically call my lawyer because I'm like, what's happening? Like, I don't want to have a termination that so far the baby is healthy. Like, do I have to do this? Like what I know so far and I just don't know what to do at this point. I'm like, you know, do I have to have the termination? It's not my baby. It's really not my choice their baby I don't want to make them have a baby that they don't want but I also they know my views on termination and I thought they didn't believe in termination so like what is even happening I mean can you imagine first of all I think it's one of the reasons that when you're involving a third party into the procreation process that's not the child things can get very uncertain pretty quickly you know there's that um one Curb Your Enthusiasm episode that deals with surrogacy, and obviously that's a comedy, very different focus. But whenever you're dealing with a third person here, whether you're talking about adoption, and there's a scene depicting this kind of thing in the film Juno, or whether you're talking about surrogacy and what happens here, it does complicate matters. You know, when we had in studio that gentleman, Ari, that's fathered 150-something children, and he said his understanding with all these women was he was not going to sue for custody and they were not going to sue him for uh, child support. And at least two or three of those women, if memory serves correctly, violated that agreement. So when you're having a child's very serious business, you got to take this stuff very seriously. But I couldn't believe that, that they wanted twins. And because they didn't get twins, they wanted her to terminate the one child and then when she didn't do it, they came to the hospital and they wanted to take that child home. I mean, how would that family have felt if she went through with that? Can't imagine. Thank goodness Heather didn't do it. Again, we're basing this all on her version of events. She's got a TikTok channel. I'm sure she's rewarded for more views that she gets and more money, that whole thing. So take it for what it's worth. All right. Two open lines if you want to comment. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Let me begin with the lovely Lisa in Connecticut. Hi, Lisa. Hey, how are you? I'm well. So, uh, I'm well. Great I appreciate show again. That. Thank um, you. Great, great show. I, I was talking with Elias before, and oh, <laughs> I he, pointed out the fact that um, your guest, Jack Kelly, sounds really similar to Dr. Skye. 
Did you notice that when you were interviewing? You know, him? I actually That's did the, not notice that, but I can see what you mean. Yeah, if you listen back um, on your podcast or whatever when you when you do it, 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 and me and Elias were talking about it because uh, I called in earlier. I was like, I have to get this off my chest. I was like, I I'm driving, you know, you know, my long drive and everything, and I'm like. Sounds like Dr. Sky, but it's Jack Kelly. And, you know, it was just so interesting because they had such similar voices. You know, and it's a good point. Know, it's a very good observation. Content, obviously. But um, it, it was just like that triggered something in my head. I was like, wow, you sound exactly like. So that was pretty cool. Well, hey, me, and we all have our audio doppelgangers out there, right? That's what I was saying. Yeah, exactly. That was pretty cool. Um, so what do you have for the rest of the weekend? Are you going to do some events or are you guys going to actually get some rest? Well, that's a good question. My wife is still under the weather. So um, I think we're probably, she'll probably uh, go to bed early. Uh, I have, I have to come into, uh, I have to come into Manhattan uh, Thursday night for, for a meeting a little earlier than usual. So she'll probably go to bed early right around the time Carmine goes to bed. And then uh, Friday, we don't have any real plans. So I'll probably go uh, to my friends while she goes to bed early. And then Saturday, we're supposed to go to my sister-in-law's house, uh, all which is a distance away, about a two and a half hour drive away for um, their my nephew's first birthday. So uh, Carmine's cousin oh, Eric fantastic. celebrating his first birthday. So that's our only real plans on uh, Saturday, and then hopefully we can um, chill out a little on Sunday and, and watch the uh, football games. Thank you, Lisa. Hopefully you're doing something. Great. Uh, one other thing mm-hmm. I wanted to say is that the Sealy nasal spray is really really good, like he suggested. And also, if you ever got a, like a face steamer or anything like that, or, or just a lot of times, even just the old school, put your head over a pot with the, the towel over your head and you steam your face. It just helps open up things. And Vicks Staple Rub is really great for everything. So. That's You know, I put that on my son's chest. There's a baby version because he's been a little congested. Maybe I should throw some on as well. It's a great thought, Lisa. Thank you. 800-848-9222. By the way, if people are listening and they don't know what she's talking about, about Jack Kelly, because your station, the station that you're on, doesn't carry all four hours of this show, you got to check out the podcast. Go back and listen to the podcast. You can get the podcast by searching The Other Side of Midnight on any podcast app or uh, just go to redapplepodcastnetwork.com and search uh, The Other Side of Midnight comes right up and you can listen to all four hours of the program, even if the station you're listening to us on right now doesn't carry all four hours. 800-848-9222. Joe is in Queens. Hi, Joe. Yeah, I would say if, you know, assuming what she's saying is true, like you said, Frank, I would say she should have uh, had nothing to do with them as she was being threatened uh, based on what and could have given the child up for adoption to someone else uh, and uh, gotten money for it or not gotten money for it. Uh, you know, they would, that's, that's a severe threat to someone in that situation. I think so. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it's a big deal. Yeah, you know, to to allow them to take the kid after if if that's true, I I would say I would have 
uh, press, you know, have not allowed that and would have pressed charges against them. Well, what what are you pressing charges on? What well, basis? For, for, you know, uh, it, it's, you know, uh, it's a trauma. It's killing the child and it's a trauma to her body and potentially sterilizing her. And, you know, she could have severe, it's a surgery that she didn't want. She well, didn't I have, mean, that's why, I mean, that's why I guess uh, all this is spelled out pretty explicitly in the contract. And according to her, her lawyer said that the contract that they agreed upon specifically said she wouldn't have to do that. Well, yeah, I, I would, uh, like I said, I would get the child back and I would either keep it or give it to someone else for adoption. These people are psychopaths if they did that to her. All right, Joe, I agree with yeah. you. 800-848-9222. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to chat with Noam Layden, uh, getting an idea of what's in the news from him. And then a little bit later, Brian Kilmeade, he was with Donald Trump yesterday, getting a, a tour of Donald Trump's airplane. We'll find out what it was like to be with uh, Trump in New Hampshire on the day he won that uh, historic primary. And just last night, apparently, Brian Kilmeade was made fun of by Jimmy Kimmel. I will ask him about uh, about that as well. And uh, first, though, let me say hello to Joaquin in Pennsylvania. Hi, Joaquin. Frank, buddy, you are really making my head spin. You had five topics tonight that were fantastic. I Thank you. Thanks a lot. On every single one of them. And your guest, Jack Kelly, was amazing because I knew a few things about Benedict Arnold. And the only thing I'm going to say is I'm going to quote Limp Bizkit. I did it all for the nookie. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, um Go ahead. All right. As far as this thing goes right now that you're talking about, they made a contract. I believe in the case of a surrogate, it would be his sperm and it would be her eggs. Okay. So technically, you know, I mean, yes, she's the, the vehicle, the carrier of the child. Okay. But I mean, this is a legal contract. So there's more involved than just her. Well, yeah. I mean, that's why she went over this with her lawyer. But uh, I just can't imagine any couple, Catholic or not, that says they want to have children because that she's not carrying twins saying that they want to abort the baby. To me, it's just bizarre. Well, I I missed that. They want to abort the baby. Yeah. What did you think we were talking about? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I missed that. I I apologize. I missed that part of it. I thought it was her that was reneging on a contract. All right. Well, thank you, Joaquin. I appreciate you. Listening so attently as always. Appreciate that. 800-848-9222. And Noam Leiden joins us straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Where I 
was born in praise. Man of Constant Sorrow by the... the uh, this is from the movie, Oh Brother, Where For Art Thou? Uh, but it's the uh, Soggy Bottom Boys. I always loved this song and this picture. Uh, this was a... <laughs> I think this might have been my favorite film George Clooney ever did. Um, oh Brother, Where For Art Thou? Story's a little silly, but it's uh, it's great. It's really an enjoyable picture. Oh, you know, I was talking about the FBI creating that crime regarding the Newburgh Four earlier, and I was I neglected uh, to play you this. This is the attorney in the Newburgh Four case, Kathy Manley, and what she says here is exactly right on the money. Every step of the way was all the FBI. These guys couldn't. They had no driver's licenses. They couldn't find Google Maps of where these targets are. That the FBI informant told them to use. I mean, they came up with not one single part of this plot. It was all the FBI. All the FBI. That's where we are, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, some sad news. Uh, There was a Russian military transport plane that crashed yesterday in Russia near the border with Ukraine, according to a video shot from a mobile phone. And, you know, if you want to watch it, you can. But I I turned it off after a second. It's very difficult to watch. Russian military officials claim that Ukraine shot down the plane, killing 74 people, including 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war, en route to a planned prisoner swap. Ukrainian officials didn't confirm the reports, and the number and identity of the victims were not yet independently verified. Uh, Ukrainian officials did confirm a prisoner swap was scheduled for yesterday, and swaps have occurred regularly throughout the nearly two-year war, the most recent coming this month, which saw roughly 250 personnel returned for each side. Ukraine also acknowledged it targets such planes suspected of carrying missiles. So these accusations come amidst a lull in the war's second winter, with the sides stockpiling ammunition and launching longer-range missile strikes. The conflict's front lines have not changed substantially in over a year. And again, I asked Richard Sakwa this question the other day, how many people have died or have been injured? And the truth is we have no idea. No idea. But total military casualties, they believe, have surpassed half a million, which is just such a tragedy. I mean... Let's say, again, it's so difficult to get accurate information out of these two war-torn countries right now. But let's say it's true. There were 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war on this plane en route for a prisoner swap. They're dead. They're dead. They thought they were going to be free. They thought they were going to go home. They thought they were going to see their families. They're dead. Are they dead because Russia sabotaged the plane to try to get some sort of international sympathy? Are they dead because uh, the Ukrainians accidentally shot down this plane? Or did something else happen? Was it some sort of an accident? I really don't know. But it's they're dead regardless. All right. Um, 800-848-9222 if you want to comment. Hey, you know, we spoke about Michigan winning the national championship. And Jim Harbaugh is the coach of Michigan. And you remember the year you had the Ravens and the 49ers in the Super Bowl playing the Harbaugh on Harbaugh Super Bowl, which was interesting. I think that was the year the power went out. Well, 
Uh, Jim Harbaugh is apparently departing Michigan after nine seasons to take the head coaching job with the L.A. Chargers. So I don't know what I would have done if I was him. I, I mean, I guess there's more money involved in the NFL coaching game, but I would think there's more stability and potentially more glory um, sticking around college. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. You think this was a good move, uh, Tony? We all have a price, Frank. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Absolutely. All right. uh, We're going to hear from Noam Layden in just a minute. But uh, chronic stress, if you're stressed out all the time, it reduces certain gut bacteria that protect against pathogens. That's according to a new study. And results reveal details of one link between stress and inflammatory bowel disease. So if you're stressed out and you're having some inflamed bowels, apparently science says we know why there's a connection. There you have it. All right. Hey, um... Do you know this year is a leap year? I didn't realize that. But if you're born on a leap year, if your birthday is February 29th, get ready to celebrate your birthday this year because this is your year. Congratulations to you. I think it's kind of, I mean, I guess when you're a kid and you're nine years old, 10 years old, you always have to have a birthday. I don't think leap babies should have birthday parties in other years. I think it should be a a once-every-four-year thing. I think that's quadrennial. I think it should be a quadrennial event. I don't buy this every year. Oh, we'll have our birthday on the 28th or on March 1st. No, you were born on February 29th. You should have the birthday on February 29th. That's my view. And I'd like to think that would be my view if my birthday was on February 29th, which it is It, it is not. All right. Um, we'll talk with Noam Layden and Brian Kilmeade in just a second. Ask him what he thinks it's like to be uh, – if, how he likes being uh, mocked by um, Jimmy Kimmel. I think – and he's been satirized on Saturday Night Live as well. But um, I think it's actually kind of a compliment when any of these late-night shows, Saturday Night Live or Jimmy Kimmel or – any of these shows actually makes fun of you a little bit. I think it's kind of cool. I think uh, maybe it doesn't feel good in the moment, but I don't know. Kind of, No one's making fun of me on Saturday Night Live or Jimmy Kimmel. Um, and I think it kind of says that you've reached a point where you're so much a part of the public consciousness that you're being made fun of. So I thought that was, I thought that was pretty interesting, at least for um, at least as far as I'm concerned. All right. So we'll talk to both of them about that in just a bit. You want to email me, you could certainly do so at frank.morano at uh, redappleaudionetworks.com. That's frank.morano at red at uh, redappleaudionetworks.com. That's uh, networks, plural. So you can uh, go ahead and uh, send me an email there. And if it's something interesting, we'll read it on the air. Meantime, I hope you're ready. Stand by for the other side of Midnight's News. From New York City, the other side of Midnight and its affiliated stations present national and international news with Frank Morano and news director Noam Layden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get the rest of the story. 
Hello, no. Good morning, Frank. It is going to be an interesting day down in Alabama, where they're preparing to use a new method of execution, nitrogen gas. Uh, Kenneth Eugene Smith survived the state's uh, previous attempt to put him to death by lethal injection back in 2022. They had him tied to the gurney. And it just didn't work, the method they were using. And uh, he went through, it was a lethal injection of sorts. And for whatever reason, it didn't work. And you have all these states that are moving away from that process because the chemicals, the ingredients to do it are not easily available. So today, the state maintains that nitrogen gas will cause him, they'll put a mask over his face. It will cause him to go uh, deep into unconsciousness quickly and that uh, he'll die. So um, they call it nitrogen hypoxia. Mm -hmm. And um, the execution would force him to breathe pure nitrogen, depriving him of oxygen needed to maintain bodily functions. Alabama just won three states to approve uh, this to take place. Uh, By the way, his crime is that he was paid by someone to kill his wife, and he followed through on the crime. His own wife. Oh, no, no, somebody else's owned, wife. Okay, yeah, yeah, gotcha. he was paid to kill someone else's wife. Yeah, I mean, wife. he's been on, again, uh, it doesn't seem any doubt about his uh, guilt or innocence no. here. And, does, I mean, if you believe in the death penalty, seems like exactly the type of person who should be getting the death penalty. But what I, uh, in my research on this, and I've looked at this pretty closely, this method is basically the same as asphyxiation or suffocation. And a lot of folks, including a lot of very reputable entities, say this is torture. And I really wonder, again, especially for someone who's already survived one botched execution attempt, if this is the right way to go, not just for him, but for for others. What I don't understand, and this is a sincere question that I don't know that you can answer, but I'll ask you anyway because you're well-versed on things. Why don't they just give him a handful of barbiturate pills? That would make a whole lot more sense than this. That's deadly, right? I mean, why wouldn't you just – I mean, if you have to even put a whole bunch of barbiturates in his food, make him – it's a great question, and I, I don't know why. You, you would think they've gone through these processes trying to figure out exactly what way would, would work. But in this case, uh, you have all these groups that are coming out and saying this is torturous. Uh, the United Nations uh, says uh, essentially Kenneth Eugene Smith is a test dummy for something they've never done before. You even have the American Veterinary Medical Association. But they don't do this to animals. They don't, yeah, they don't do it to animals. animals. There's only one animal they do it to because they say it works for them. But they say essentially what they think might happen to him is um, – his whole body will break down, but he may actually end up uh, choking on his own vomit. Oh. There's all different all kinds of Again, methods that I, can I happen. I don't have a lot of sympathy for someone that would take mm. money to kill someone else's wife. No. But I just, um, you know, the courts have maintained that you really can't kill someone in a cruel and unusual manner. And this would seem to fit that description. Yeah. Now, his lawyers fought to the Supreme Court to make sure this wouldn't happen. But uh, it is going to happen. I mean, he's going to die by this method tonight unless somebody steps in. Doesn't look like anybody will. And so he will be the first test subject for this. The thought is he will be dead within five minutes. That's what Alabama claims. The authorities there. Uh, they have the EKG running to see when he flatlines, but uh, others say no. It's a much longer, torturous death, uh, and um, you know, and they shouldn't be doing it. I think you know, barbiturate pills would be a quick and painless death, and is I think it's done in a lot of jurisdictions that allow 
death with dignity. You know, if you go to a physician-assisted suicide kind of a deal, um, this is what they give you to kill you. So if it works for someone that's terminally ill, why wouldn't it work for someone that's condemned? I have to think if this guy's given the choice of choking on his own vomit and being tortured, at least what the U.N. considers torture, and just swallowing a couple of pills, which would end his life painlessly, I think he would choose the latter. You asked a great question that I do not know the answer to. It's interesting. Well, what good are you? Know? Yeah. I can't, can't get answers to any of these <laughs> I'll look it up, though. I'll ask them. Right. I'd be happy to ask them. A Saudi Arabia is going to open its first liquor store. This is pretty wild. The, there is no liquor. There is liquor in Saudi Arabia, but it's all smuggled in. Right. And for years, diplomats have brought in alcohol, uh, smuggled it in. And then a lot of times they resell it on the black market because people want to be able to drink and they make a fortune. So uh, in the last couple years, the country's become more liberalized under this uh, young crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman. And so he is now given the thumbs up. It is one liquor store. It's going to open in Riyadh in the diplomatic section of that city. Uh, only people who are there from out of the country will be able to shop inside this liquor store. When you're inside, uh, there's almost a sense they don't want other people to know about it. So when you walk into this liquor store, you'll have to hand over your cell phone. They'll put it in a pouch. You'll make your purchases. They'll give you your cell phone back, and then you can leave the store. And the thought is part of this is to stop this black market alcohol because apparently it's just gotten huge that people are buying it from these diplomats or their families who sneak it into the country and make a huge profit. So the store is going to be open. You have to be over 21. That's, of course, uh, one of the rules they have is that. Well, now, Salman's been sort of an interesting guy because he has liberalized the country. Uh, He let women drive. Women were not allowed to drive until it took power. Uh, People are allowed to be seen together inside a movie theater now. Thanks to him. Um, uh, He's cracked down on some political activists. That's not so great. Uh, But, um, you know, he's liberalized the country. You know, he gave a nice paycheck to Jamal Khashoggi's family after ordering him to be dismembered. (laughs) This is true. That was under his. uh, Yes. Yes. While he was in power. So um, and uh, he's let the UFC in. They have major fights there now. He's trying to take the country and not rely completely on oil and make it a tourist destination. And so this, he says, will be the first step in doing that by opening up a liquor store. They're well on their way to the 17th century in uh, Saudi Arabia. That's exciting. My friend Sean Enright is listening to us right now in Qatar, uh, a.k.a. Qatar, and maybe he will pop in over to Saudi Arabia on the way back to the United States and check out this liquor store. uh, Noam, thank you very much. Appreciate that. And now you know the rest of the story. So I'm just getting a notification from the Neighbors app through the Ring camera that my neighborhood has no power. There's a power outage in my neighborhood. Evidently there was a uh, a transformer fire. So maybe I won't be in such a hurry to go home. I'll, uh, I'll have my uh, chance to uh, catch up on some work here. Hey, speaking of liquor, uh, the best part about any Brian Kilmeade book party that I've been invited to is there is always a top shelf open bar. And trust me, I am getting Brian's money's worth out of that top shelf open bar. If you have not yet checked out uh, Brian's new book, Teddy and Booker T. It's gotten rave reviews. I've really enjoyed it, and a lot of people who've heard our discussion says they've purchased it, and they've gotten a lot out of it, even aspects of history they didn't know they cared about, but there are so many different parallels about what's happening now, and uh, Brian is very much a chronicler of what's happening these days. In addition to being a New York Times bestselling author, he's the co-host of Fox and Friends on Fox News, a nationally syndicated radio talk show host, and the host of One Nation on uh, Saturday nights. Hello, Brian. 
What's going on, Frank? Quite a bit. I mean, you've been busy. You were up in New Hampshire with uh, former President Trump getting a tour of his uh, airplane. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, we wanted to do more of a slice of his life on the on the train uh, on the plane, and I felt um, I felt he was very focused. I mean, he's got a team around him. Um, I think they got the fear of God in them. There's not a lot of uh, everyone's got a job. There's uh, everyone's got their head down. He's uh, everyone's working. He, I think that he he has his eye on the prize. And that, and I was surprised by his tone afterwards, but I, I also got the sense that they have a whole plan to go after Biden right away. And after that win, that double-digit win, that uh, machine was about to roll on Biden, and Haley's speech just caught him by surprise, in my view. But, you know, getting the tour of the plane, seeing this caravan, it's about 50 cars, and then getting in the middle of that, going an hour after he landed, and then going to uh, a place there was only 500 people about. Everyone had a certain amount of time to go. They were all over Vivek to wrap up quickly. Uh, I was just very impressed with the machine he's got around him. Yeah, even his uh, political opponents in New Hampshire are saying the campaign that he ran this year is uh, much different from the one that was run in 2016 in terms of ground operation, in terms of organization. And uh, that's his critics even saying that. So uh, given the fact that he had you out there on the plane and uh, you were with him in New Hampshire, do you get the sense that his um, on-again, off-again feud with uh, Fox News is off again? Huh. I don't know. I mean... After I left him on Truth Social, he put out that Fox is the bird brain network. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know what. And, and I came back and I see Brett Baer in the lobby. And Brett goes, what did you talk about? Like, what you? So he showed me. And I'm, I go, I have no idea. It was around 10 o'clock at night. I left him at 1030. So I don't know what he was watching. I wasn't obviously watching. I was behind the scenes at this uh, right, I you were like working. chamber of commerce yeah. place. Yeah, I was yeah. working. I was, I was with him, actually. So I interviewed him three times in 90 minutes. And he didn't have a problem with anything that I know of. It wasn't meant to be a hard-hitting interview. It was meant to like, what is your focus? What's going to be different at this time? Uh, where's your family? Does not want his family involved like it was last time. Yet there's Eric last night. And and then uh, Nick Cianoli puts that out. Then Nikki Haley tries to light us up on the couch oh, yeah, that I'm gonna, morning. I'm, I'm going to ask you about that in a second. I want to play for folks what you're talking about if they didn't and hear about it. It's new yesterday, uh, too. Th- no, please. You're, you're getting slings and arrows. Now you know what it's like for me to be at a uh, Brian Kilmeade holiday brunch where everybody is uh, <laughs> is bashing me. Um, uh, before we get to Nikki Haley's issues with Fox News, though, you were uh, on the receiving end, and I, I know you may not view it this way. I think this is kind of cool. You were on the receiving end of a, a couple of jokes from Jimmy Kimmel, who didn't exactly enjoy the non-confrontational nature of the interview you did with uh, with Trump. Here was Jimmy Kimmel. Kimmel took the opportunity to kiss Trump's sizable, but slightly less sizable now. You look like you're in fighting shape. How much weight did you lose? Maybe 15, maybe 20. How? Uh, the hard way. I work. <laughs> I've been, no, I've been so busy, I haven't been... I haven't been able to eat very much. I don't, I'm not able to sit down and eat like a person like you. You can sit down and eat me. It's a little bit tougher. Okay. It's interesting, Brian. First of all, I, I don't know you as one to sit around and live the life of leisure, even on the weekends. What did you make of Jimmy Kimmel taking uh, a shot at you and characterizing the interview as uh, you kissing Trump's butt? Uh, you know, it just goes to show you, I remember a few years ago when he went after me. I was probably about eight 
and I remember just hearing my phone go off in the middle of the night, and I'm going, what is going on? And looking at it and seeing, I just realized no one was dead, so I went back to sleep, and it was a huge story. It was big. Now, I, I find out weeks later that he, uh, you know, someone, um, I saw yesterday I was on a plane. I was delayed for two hours, so I just decided, let me look at my, uh, my Google email, and then it, that was lit up there. I didn't even click on it. This shows to show you, number one, how segmented the audience is. Mm. Like People that watch Kimmel don't watch us. Number two is the lack of power those guys have. I mean, there's nothing you could do if you're Donald Trump to ever have a positive word from The Tonight Show, Kimmel, or whatever Colbert's hosting. And now Jon Stewart's back in the fray. So it's just boring. That's why the Bill Mars are funny. Because they go back, they're equal opportunity offenders. So, you know, you don't like Trump says, as I mentioned on the show, I, we just did three, we did four interviews with Trump in one day. I was scheduled to do it. So they said, Brian, do me a favor. Uh, don't go with there. We just covered this. It's the day of the election. Why don't we just give a sense of what it's like last time doing this? It could be his last primary. I said, all right, you got it. So it was meant to be more of a magazine-type interview. So, again, for Jimmy Kimmel to say, well, it's not hard-hitting, number one, he has lost more than 15. I haven't seen him since West Point 2000, uh, 2020. Uh, 2021? 2020, yeah. So I haven't seen him. So I could not believe how much weight he lost. And everyone talks about how much weight he was gaining, how he doesn't work out. And, and that was the first thing I noticed. You'd, I'm sorry that it offended him. Well, I wouldn't lose sleep over it, Brian. Something tells no, me. No, uh, I mean, something tells me you're not. Um, hey, um, I, I don't. You know, but for him to go, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It. It like for when Gutfeld does something, everybody knows about it. Before I wake up, I see a bunch of text messages. He went after you again last night. It's all in fun, and it's actually funny. Most of the time, they're really funny lines. You know, at my expense. I don't care. I think it's kind of cool. You know, it shows you at our network, nobody's taking each other, each other so right. serious. Absolutely. But when you just you go after, you, okay, the former president never did anything right, right? It's a horrible person, absolutely. As Jamie Dimon said last week, I know he's supposed to be a comedian, but he's not, Jimmy Kimmel. As he said, you are insulting 71 million people, and you should be cognizant of that when you continue to go after this guy, and because and anyone that follows him is gets said, okay, we're, you're done. I'm done with you, and you keep doing it. You don't like the guy, and you disassociate, and you're not disassociating them with the people that uh, like his policies and feel as though he's echoing their voice. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I'm eager to see uh, how Jimmy Fallon does in the long run with his new Saturday night show after you on Saturday nights, because he's aiming to make fun of everybody, as I understand it. And that's kind of the thing that's missing these days. You know, Johnny Carson, whatever his politics might have been, that's what he did. Made fun of everybody. Made fun of Jimmy Carter, made fun of Ronald Reagan, and everybody laughed. Democrats, Republicans, and independents. And as you said about the segmenting, that's um, that's what's missing these days. So about the presidential race, obviously we saw what happened in New Hampshire. We saw what happened in Iowa. Nikki Haley says she's moving on to her home state of uh, South Carolina. Do you think that this race is over? Uh, And, you know, the whole thing is, if it's as it is, you know, between a terror attack that could happen, especially with our border open, and and if you see what's going on in the Middle East, you know it's not going to stay there. If the court cases, which I look at the schedule, all I see is delay, delay, delay. You know, if barring anything that's different now, 
I, I don't see how she wins. But if she wants to keep fighting, she's keep fighting. And I was just reading now. I wanted to find out what her speech was like last night. It was brutal. He's too old. He's losing it. Nobody wants this matchup. Um, you know, his uh, temperament. After going at, so there's nothing. She's not doing a slow landing and a, a gradual bow out. She's going for the jugular still as if she's in. Mm-hmm. So she's doing I don't think she's being politically astute in that. The people that are getting insulted now are also his followers. And you want them, when Donald Trump is done in four years, either way, when he's done, she wants, she needs those voters. So forget about Trump. When you, I thought just to, that Jamie Dimon axiom, you're going after Donald Trump and the people that like him don't care that he's 77. They know that Joe Biden is so much worse. If the president's losing it, it's the third, last 30 minutes of a 90-minute speech is where he makes mistakes. That's really not going to hurt you. So he's, she's trying to put them both together. I'm just wondering about the wisdom of it. It's almost as like, oh, okay, okay I'm not going to be able to stay in this hotel anymore, so I might as well burn it down. And I'm thinking to myself, but you are going to want to stay in that hotel, and there's no reason to burn it down. Nikki, you mentioned Nikki Haley and her issues with Fox. Uh, She actually went so far as to uh, pull out a line that some might consider Trumpy, and she called Fox News the enemy. I'm going to fight no matter what. I don't care how much y'all want to coronate Donald Trump. At the end of the day, that's not what Americans want. Americans want a choice, and we're going to give them that choice. You keep saying coronate, lie, not tell the truth. What are you saying on the couch? I'm really wondering why you think we're the enemy. Because I've looked at the media. And you've looked at the polls. And- That's why I'm running, because Donald Trump doesn't beat Joe Biden right. in a general election. We beat him by double But digits. in the real clear, he's up three points as the average of the most substantive polls in the country. Up against Joe. Donald Trump beating Joe Biden by three points. On the okay, and ballot. that's margin of error, Brian. Margin of error, Brian. Now, she happens to be ahead in almost every swing state, but it's just margin of error. I mean, I mean, what gives, Brian? I mean, she's just looking for a silver lining among the electoral dark clouds, trying to spin something that uh, that makes her look not like she's fighting such a losing battle. What's the story with her? Uh, well, her people were incensed when they walked in. They said it was the Trump network. So I'm like, really? Did you did you see what Trump thinks? So he calls it the Trump network. All right, you you think it's the Trump network because he says it was the DeSantis. Uh, Trump thinks it's the DeSantis network, and he thinks that we're keeping up Haley, Birdberry network. And now she comes in and says there's too much Trump on. Meanwhile, she was on with Dana Perino uh, yesterday, that day, and she was on with us the day before she was on with Dana Perino. Then she was on late night, and then she was back again. And she's been on our you know the radio show a number of times. I don't think uh, I it's it's I think. You have to, in this world, learn how to lose. Can somebody learn how to lose? I'm watching DeSantis. Said the media didn't give us a shot, didn't want to call Trump out on what he was doing. Are you All right. Uh, you are blaming the media now. Because Trump said that we were the DeSantis network. And you were on every single show. And one of the things that you did, a, you did a self-evaluation. Uh, and you said one of the things I should have done is gotten on adversarial media earlier and done more media with other outlets earlier. But in retrospect, he believes that Fox is the reason. So you're going to see, I mean, DeSantis not taking this well either. So interesting time to be hated by everybody. You got you just mentioned Jimmy Kimmel, uh, Governor Haley, which I witnessed, uh, Trump, which I read, 
and we've seen over and over again over the last three and a half years, and now DeSantis. Yeah, that's a hat trick, Brian. Congratulations. Well done. Well yeah. done indeed. Frank, thanks for bringing it. You really, this has really been an uplifting hit <laughs> for me. Uh, you really, uh, if I did have, if I did have self-esteem problems, I would probably have slipped my wrist. Oh, please. Um, let me, uh, let me get your take on uh, this Sunday's uh, AFC and NFC championship games. Who's going to the Super Bowl? What's your hope? What's your prediction? Well, I want the Lions. Uh, I want the Lions, and I want the Ravens. Uh, and but I do think it's hard to go against the Forty ers mm. Although that was a terrible first half, and I watched the Ravens crush the Forty ers just dominated them in the regular season. And then with a game they have to win with a week off, and the most professional coaching staff in the country with John Lynch running things, they weren't ready to play. So that's that was kind of crazy. But let's see if they get the rust off after the week off. Uh, but the Ravens are the hottest team in football. They did not have a great playoff game, but, man, did they close it out strong. And I am the most underrated great coach in sports is John Harbaugh. This guy doesn't have rebuilding years. I know Pittsburgh's good at this, but do you know the Ravens are actually better at this? They never, you know, they retire all their better players. They lose Flacco. They bring in, uh, they bring in a better quarterback. They lose Ray Lewis. They become a more balanced defense. And and just, just I'm saying to myself, there were seasons nine and seven, you know, and now it's uh, you know ten and seven with the increased games, and now they finally put it together. Uh, they get their quarterback situation handled, and, and Lamar Jackson has a career year. No one even notices, and now they're they're ready to play. And, and this guy finally healthy. All Harbaugh does is give your team a chance to win year after year. That this is why the coach what matters. He puts the people in place to make the right decisions. It's not like he is so omnipresent. He's, he's you know he's helping out the linebacker coach and the tight end assistant, but he puts the people in place that he trusts. He lets them go, and he inspires them to do better. And the players love playing for him. And when you see like a Brian Dable go over the top with his emotions, and and I'm saying to myself, does anyone notice that that's not what works with players like this? And, and I just think you could note a, a lot about this guy. Plus, he was the one who didn't go pro. He's the brother that wasn't the Bears right. quarterback. He's the brother that wasn't involved in, in scandal in Michigan. I'm not putting down Jim, but John just keeps winning. Um I know on uh, radio you have uh, Michael Goodwin, Carl Rove, Tudor Dixon on, and that's going to be something. Uh, by the way, that's the matchup that I'm rooting for, Baltimore versus Detroit, because those are both cities that carry our show. We have very loyal listeners on WCBM in uh. Baltimore and on uh, the Superstation AM 910 in Detroit, so I'm with you on that. And uh, if I can pull together a couple of shekels, I may even uh, lay down five bucks on each game. Um, what's coming up on Saturday night on One Nation? Good question. I'm going to have Eric Trump on for sure. Um, we're working on a few other guests, but that's a that's a great thing. I'm going to have Jamie Lissau. I'm going to t- I'll put him on. I'm going to tape him today. He's going to do the news duel at the end. Um, yeah, working on. Okay, uh, Jay Glazer is going to be on. He's going to preview those games uh, for us from his from his huge estate cool. over in Malibu. So I, I get I can give you that much, but we're going right, to hey. lock it in today and then. Uh, I'll make sure to text you so you can spread the word. But just know, 9 o'clock on Saturdays, make the adjustment if you're lifting, listening to Frank around the country. Absolutely. Uh, Brian Kilmeade, thanks as always. It's always a treat to have you. All right. Stay within yourself, Frank. 800-848-9222. 15 seconds of fame straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight.
other side at midnight with Frank Morano. The other side of midnight. Before, hey, you know who's going to be here tomorrow? I have a tentative confirmation on this from um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I'm not sure what time he's going to be on. I'm not sure if we're going to have to tape him before the show, but uh, I have a tentative yes that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. will be on uh, tomorrow. Uh, we'll also have Ask Frank Anything in the first hour as well, so I'll look forward to that. Meantime... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Russell! Frank, I wake up just to hear you hang up on Mike of South Carolina, and you should do the same thing with Joaquin. Jose! Hey. James O'Keefe of O'KeefeMediaGroup.com is fighting to save America. Please visit and donate to O'KeefeMediaGroup.com, O'KeefeMediaGroup.com, O'KeefeMediaGroup.com. Mike! Morning, Frank. Hey, Boeing, tighten your bolts. Building planes is complicated. Tightening bolts is not. Righty-tighty, lefty-loosey, unless specified. Make flying safe again. Build confidence, not just planes. David. Losing 20 or more pounds at 77 years old by skipping a Big Mac or two is not normal. Donald Trump needs to have a full physical and social president Biden. Ray. Melanie was at Woodstock. She also had a great hit with Lay Down, Lay Down. I'm glad Sid and, Ber- Sid, Sid and Mark buried the hatchet. Safe travels to Sid going to Israel. All right. Well said, true. Ray. I agree with that. And apparently she also did Look What They'd Done to My Song, Ma, which a lot of people have been writing me about. So didn't mean to disparage Melanie at all. God rest her soul. Frank Morano. Good day. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.